Hi, Bechtel here today with Travis Hornsby, who's the founder of Student Loan Planner. And if you have any veterinary student debt, this is a podcast you want to listen to. So Travis, thank you so much for taking the time to do today's podcast. Great to be here. So I understand you've helped some veterinarians when it comes to their six-figure student debt. And I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of background about how you A, got some street cred when it comes to student loans, and B, uh, what veterinarians or veterinary students should think of when it comes to repayment strategies. Sure. So I got into helping people with student debt because my fiance had six figures of student debt. And we had the get serious about your finances talk. And I used to be a bond trader for a large investment company. So I was really good with Excel. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be real straightforward. I can just model the different paths to pay back her debt and we can come up with the best plan. And then I found out it was so much more complicated than that. So I built this spreadsheet, this tool, and she suggested that I help out some of our friends who were at Penn Vet School that had a lot of debt. So I started helping them out, and then they started spreading my help with word of mouth, and uh, now I've helped 40 veterinarians with about $11 million of veterinary school debt. So that's how everything got started. I I wrote this uh, viral post online that got shared with a bunch of veterinarians too. And so that led a bunch of people to reach out to me. I think veterinarians by and large don't get the kind of help that they need on veterinary school loans. They're, you know, the financial aid offices are, you know, they're paid to get you the loans and they they try to do the best they can, but they're just not equipped to give really detailed personal advice to people that have, you know, two, three, 400,000 veterinary school loans. So I just saw a big need uh, to, to help people. And so that's, that's why I, I'm trying to fill it. Uh, in terms of what veterinarians can do to help with their student debt. So by and large, the typical veterinarian that I'm seeing today is not in a position to pay back their student loans, but that's okay under the current government policies. And here's why. Pretty much if your debt to income ratio, so in other words, the amount of debt you have divided by the total income you have is over two. If that ratio is, is over two for the duration of your career, you're going to have to use the government income-driven repayment plans to try to pay that back. And in doing that, you can prevent having to live on rice and ramen for the rest of your life. And you can also have a very specific strategy for how you're going to pay for your student loans. So a lot of veterinarians I see are using income-based repayment and they're not putting anything away for any kind of future tax penalties one day. And they're probably only putting away 4% for their retirement. Those are those are all things that can be optimized, and in many cases, most of the veterinarians that I've helped have saved thousands of dollars just by adjusting some of the parts of their student loan plan. And you know, nobody's helping them. Financial advisors don't really understand student debt because the rules are so complex. So there's so much veterinarians can do in in thinking of how to manage student loans that they're not doing. And so that's why I thought it'd be great to be on the podcast today to talk about this. Great. Thank you. So when it comes to paying off that student debt, and you know, I was in the same scenario. I graduated 19, 20 years ago and had about $100,000 um, in student debt leaving Cornell. I was fortunate in that I was able to pay mine off within 11 years, and that's with a four-year residency and an internship. But I'm mm-hmm. also super cheap. So <laughs> give us some yeah. guidelines and some tips on how you think veterinary students and veterinarians can help pay off their student debt there's two kinds of veterinarians with student loans. One kind is one where they owe less than double their salary. 
and you know that that might be somebody who's making 120,000 as a associate or partner a couple years out of school and who has 150 to 200,000 dollars of student loans coming out of an in-state veterinary school right and that that person should probably look to private refinancing to go ahead and pay their debt off as soon as they can and the reason is because these government income driven repayment plans the more money you make relative to what you owe the less generous they are so most people have debt that's six to seven percent interest maybe even eight percent and you can save a lot of money if your debt to income ratio is below two in most cases by refinancing through private private lenders so i've helped a lot of people do that that are in that hundred thousand hundred fifty thousand dollar income range and maybe about 150,000 to 250,000 of student debt range. So those folks, they refinance, they pay maybe two to 3,000 a month, uh, and they're able to be out of debt within 10 years or less. So that's kind of similar to living frugally, living within your means, focusing on earning more, owning your own private practice. Those are things that that kind of a veterinarian needs to do. Now on the other scale, um, the average veterinarian that I speak to today has 300,000 of student loans when they graduate. So it's, it's totally different in terms of how much people owe now compared to what people owed even 10 years ago and especially 20 years ago. So someone that's coming out of a private school in the Northeast, for example, probably owes closer to 400000 And the starting salary for a veterinarian that's an associate might be around seventy, maybe 80000 if they're lucky. So that debt-to-income ratio is so high there's basically no chance that they're paying it off. Even if you live on rice and beans, even if you try to live frugally, try to make more money, the debt to income ratios are so high for some schools that you can actually control the cost of your student debt by using one of two programs. Uh, the Page Earn program is the first, and the revised Page Earn program is the second. Those acronyms are PAY and REPAYE. So PAY, Page Earn, that program has been around since 2011. You pay 10% of your income for 20 years, and then at the end of that 20 years, whatever remaining balance that you have left over is forgiven. But the problem is, is that forgiveness, if you're in the private sector, is taxable income. So you're gonna have a lot of people that are gonna be making 70,000 that gradually grows to 100,000 or 110,000 that are long-term associates. Maybe they become partners and they make more like 120, 130,000. But those folks, because of their limited 10% of income payments, are not going to even be covering the interest. So that interest is going to grow, and it's going to grow maybe from 400,000 to maybe 600 or 700,000 in 20 years. And so basically, that 700,000 is now a bonus based off current IRS rules of 700,000, and you would owe income taxes at the highest marginal rate probably for that 700,000, which means that you would owe maybe about 300,000 in a payment uh, to the IRS. Now, the only way that you can prepare for that is by saving every month for 20 years to prepare for that hit. So what I suggest to folks that are new veterinarians, especially the ones with you know, over 300,000 in student loans, is to save anywhere from 800 to $1,000 a month in a side account in index funds, you know, at a place like Vanguard or Wealthfront or something like that. And then in 20 years time, you'll have you know, 200 to $300,000 to be able to pay this tax penalty. So the monthly payment that you'd have to make on top of that under either page earn or revised page earn is about four or $500 a month if you're making 70,000 a year. So all in, you know, even with a $400,000 debt burden, 
you could be paying about $1,500 towards your student loans, 500 of which is direct payments, and then 1,000 of which is in this side, you know, side account for your tax penalty one day. So paying $1,500 a month and making seventy dollars to $80,000 a year is actually a realistic way to handle four hundred dollars or 300000 or even 200000 of veterinary school loans. And what I'm typically seeing is that folks are just caught in analysis paralysis, right? So they pay on IBR, which is 15% of your income, which nobody should be doing. If anybody's on IBR, they probably need to change their payment plan. And so they're paying more than they have to. And then also they're not putting any money away for their tax penalty. And instead they're putting money into the loans themselves, which is actually not saving them any money. So those are a couple examples. Revised page earn is a little bit different. And you know, stop me if I'm getting too detailed here, but the revised page earn program comes with an interest subsidy. So it's the same 10% of your income as pay. So the reason why it's revised pay, revised page earn, is because instead of 20 years, it's 25 years until forgiveness. And then you get an interest subsidy of half of whatever interest you're not covering with your monthly payment. So since it's a longer period of time to pay until the loans are forgiven and you owe the tax penalty, that means you don't have to save quite as much for the tax penalty hit because it comes later. So if somebody wanted to minimize the total amount that they're paying in their student loans, what I would probably tell them is $500 a month towards repayee and then $500 a month in a tax account penalty on the side in index funds for a total of a thousand a month. And then you do that for 25 years and then you're going to be paying far, far less on your student loans than if you tried to pay them directly. So stepping back, I would say you even quoted that veterinarians rarely have retirement. And both Garrett and I are both huge advocates of, you know, contributing into a Roth or into an IRA or making sure you get your employer's contribution maxed out. Um, so what do you recommend from a very basic retirement strategy. Most vets don't know anything when it comes to retirement. So give us a little bit of a spiel on retirement. Sure. So actually, this is where having a comprehensive student loan strategy can be so, so helpful to veterinarians, I think, because the deal with retirement is if you save in a pre-tax retirement account, so you know you have traditional and you have your Roth, which is pre-tax and post-tax respectively. For pre-tax 401ks, you know, that actually reduces your adjusted gross income. What that means is if you're saving five, 10, or the maximum 18,000 a year in your 401k, that's money that directly reduces your taxable income to the IRS. Now, what that does also that's really helpful from a student loan perspective is that lowers your annual income that your student loan payments are based on. So if you're making 80,000 a year, your payments might be, you know, seven or $800 a month for your student loans. However, if you put away 18,000 a year pre-tax in your 401k, maybe your student loan payments instead are five or $600 a month. So a lot of people get the employer match for retirement by putting four to 6% in. What people don't realize is if you have a lot of student debt as a veterinarian, you're basically actually getting an additional match by putting in the maximum that you possibly can into your pre-tax 401k that's basically coming in the form of a subsidy from the student loan programs from the government. So that's another thing that I think veterinarians are not very aware of is that by saving for retirement and by maximizing your savings in, in retirement accounts, you're actually lowering the cost of your student loans. Because what I tell folks is if you're past the point 
of being able to pay the loans off, uh, which is anything debt to income ratio above two for the long term. You know, so so you know, if somebody's making seventy thousand, but they have two hundred thousand of debt, and then their income increases, you know, to one hundred fifty thousand over five years because they become a partner. That's that's not what I mean by long term debt to income ratio over two. I'm talking about somebody that's going to make seventy to hundred thousand for their career and has three four hundred grand in student debt. That person, that person you know, needs to be saving everything they can in their retirement plan. And the reason is, is you want to put off all of the amount of money that you can onto your student loan balance. And that sounds very counterintuitive, right? Why would you want to let your student loan balance grow and grow and grow where it's just getting bigger every statement and it just seems like it's out of control? That doesn't make any sense at, at first glance. And the reason is twofold. So with page earn repay e, which is the those are the two income driven repayment programs that are typically the best to use, the interest doesn't actually go back into the principal, which is really important because what that means is it grows at a simple interest rate. So it's not compound interest. So if you're certifying your income every year on these two programs, then the the balance grows a lot more slowly than if it was seven percent compounded. So that's that's a big benefit. And then what you're doing is you're effectively pushing all this student debt into the future so that you can pay 40% of the amount instead of 100% of the amount. So you're winning there. And then on top of that, you're going to be winning from inflation because if you're paying simple interest on your interest on your student loans by using these programs correctly, then inflation, which is compound interest, can eat away at the value of the dollars that you owe so that you're winning from two directions. And so for that reason, a lot of veterinarians out there could put away, you know, five hundred uh, to thousand dollars a month for their side account, and then five hundred or so for their student loans, and put away a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month for retirement, and have a really solid retirement picture. And here's the the real awesome potential thing that might happen. You know, I never suggest that people plan on student loan forgiveness becoming more generous because I don't believe in planning for a lotto-like event, but it could happen. So what could happen is currently not-for-profit loan forgiveness is tax-free. happens in 10 years. But private sector loan forgiveness, which is anybody that's working at a private sector employer, is at 20 to 25 years and it's taxable income. However, I could see some sort of student loan bailout bill getting passed in the next decade or so that turns that student loan forgiveness for the private sector into tax-free forgiveness. And if that happens, then you have a fully funded retirement and you have a hundred or $200,000 of savings in a taxable investment account that's yours to keep. So basically you need to hedge your risk for student loan policy by trying to optimize all of the rules out there. And luckily, like your question, you know, saving for retirement is highly encouraged with student loan policy. So a lot of people are just kind of flailing about trying to make some extra payments to try to keep the loan balance as low as they can, but they feel like they aren't going anywhere. And that's just not the right path. All right. So Travis, I will say my financial tips, I actually learned from the cartoon Dilbert <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. there's Dilbert's financial rules where he has a couple of, you know, words of wisdom from, you know, contributing to a 401k, like you mentioned, uh, paying off your high percentage APR credit cards, having an emergency fund. I know you had mentioned before that the 401k contribution can directly be affected 
by your student loans. Do you, do you mind just explaining that a little bit more and then um, just ending with maybe three to five immediate tips that people can implement uh, when it comes to helping pay off their student loans? Let me just give an example from a math perspective. So the government takes your income and gives you a little deduction uh, and then says 10% of whatever that is, that number is, we're going to take 10% of that and say that's what you owe on your student loans. So if you have $80,000 of income and the government's deduction is like 20,000 or so for the student loan rules, then they give you 60,000 left over, they take 10% of that, which is 6,000, and then that's what you're gonna owe that year in student loans. Of course, they just divide it into a monthly payment. So the issue is, is what if you could get that 10% of your income even lower? So what I mean by that is, say you saved the maximum that you can in a 401k pre-tax. Say you save 18,000, you know, and maybe to make the math easy, let's just say you saved 10,000. That amount of income that the government's calculating your student loan payment on, 60,000, because you're saving 10,000 in the 401k, it's, it's only 50,000. And so then they take 10% of 50,000, and then they, they are only asking you to pay 5,000 that year on your student loans instead of 6,000. So because you're able to pay less towards your student loans, that's how you're saving money and you're getting a match basically on what you're contributing to your retirement. So by, by contributing the max to your retirement, it's lowering your income. And since these income-driven repayment plans tell you you have to make a payment based off of a percentage of your income, your income is lower because you're saving for retirement. So you owe less on your student loans. And the way that's helpful is into the future, this money that you're not paying uh, by saving for retirement, so you're paying less. So the balance is getting added on to your loan balance. So what that's allowing you to do, instead of paying 100% of something, because you're paying taxes on the future amount, you're paying 40% of something. So effectively, it's a way to pay less on your student loans long term and save for retirement at the same time. So it's, it's complicated. If you want to just take my word for it, just know that the more you save in your pre-tax retirement accounts in a 401k as a veterinarian with student debt, the better off you're going to be financially because you're going to pay less towards your student loans, which means you're going to have more of your loans eventually forgiven. So if you want to just put away that $500 to $1,000 a month in that taxable you know, savings account, pay the tax penalty on your loans one day, that's how you handle that part. And then the other part, save for retirement and you're going to owe less. The government's going to tell you when you have to certify your income for your you know, income-driven repayment for the student loans, they're going to tell you that you owe less than you would have otherwise if you hadn't saved for retirement. So that's where the savings comes from. And in terms of the, the three things that, that folks could do, veterinarians could do right away, first off, I, I'd say take a look at what payment plan you're using. A lot of people are using the wrong payment plan out there. In fact, I would almost guess maybe even a majority of veterinarians right now are using the wrong payment plan in terms of how much money they could save. So if, if you're on the extended plan or if you're on income-based repayment, you're probably paying too much. If you're using the 10-year standard plan, you're probably paying too much. So you probably need to be using PageWern or revised PageWern, or you need to be doing private refinancing. It's one of those three. So first off, take a look at what repayment plan you're using. Ask your loan servicer if you're unsure. The second thing, save as much for retirement as you can because that's going to help you long-term with your student debt because of the way the rules are written. The third thing is 
other ways to reduce your income, if you have a health savings account, you should contribute to that because that's also going to help with your student loan payments. The fourth thing is put away at least $500 to $1,000 a month in a side account in index funds to pay any kind of liability with taxes one day. So 20 to 25 years, think about this, right? You have several hundred thousand of student debt in 20 to 25 years, you're gonna get this big chunk of money forgiven and you're gonna owe taxes. So you don't wanna be caught with no savings and a big tax bill because then who knows what will happen. They haven't, they haven't figured out those rules yet, but theoretically they could come after home equity maybe, they could come after any assets that you own. You might have to worry about who owns what, you know, if you're married and you have your spouse has their name on things. So to avoid that, that's why I'm saying the fourth tip is to save money in the side account for your student loans. And then the fifth tip is, uh, you know, get get help. I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff out there from folks like myself to folks like the, uh, the, the VIN network that have free resources out there. The good news is there's a lot of resources out there for people to optimize their student loans. And all you have to do is just take advantage of some of them. The only thing that you know, you're doing by not thinking about what to do, by not taking a plan of action, trying to come up with a strategy to handle your student debt, by by not wanting to look at the monthly statements or just not think about it or pretend that it doesn't exist because it stresses you out. I understand that. I, I've talk, spoken with a lot of people that have been really burdened emotionally by their student debt. But the good news is that you can handle this. Like there is a plan that you can use that controls what you pay towards it, that gives you a holistic strategy on how you deal with it. And all you have to do is just get help. You know, your, your financial aid offices probably weren't able to provide that. Your financial advisor that might want to sell you a commissioned financial product or manage your money because they make fees off of you from that, they're probably not going to be able to help you do that. But luckily, veterinarians have all these great resources out there. So take advantage of them. So that, those are probably my, my five big tips. That's fantastic info. One last question. I often find that people don't even know what I'm talking about when you're talking about index funds. So some people will advocate and say, hey, I'm going to keep all this money in a savings account. What's the difference between keeping you know, $500 or an emergency fund in an index fund versus a savings account? Great question. When you are saving for something that's far away, like paying a, a bunch of taxes on some big student loan balance, that's 20 to 25 years away. If you put that money in the bank, you're probably going to earn 1% to 2% long-term, and that 1% to 2% is going to be taxable as well. So take out about a third of the 1% to 2% that you'll get, and that's your net return. So probably best-case scenario, you're looking at maybe 1% to 1.5% return on your money in the bank after taxes, and inflation long-term is like 3%. So a lot of folks, they think that their money in the bank is safe. That's true from an absolute perspective and from a short-term perspective, but long-term, you're guaranteed to lose money in the bank because of inflation. So inflation is that tax that takes away money, money's purchasing power long-term. So the way that you can have money work for you instead of against you is through saving in index funds. And what index funds are for folks that aren't aware not-for-profit companies like Vanguard offer index funds that you can save in. So it's like a bank account, except it's not guaranteed. You could lose a lot of money short term. But since you're saving for something that's 20 years away, you don't have to worry about what the money does short term. You have to worry about what it does long term. And over the long term, index funds and the stock market and bond market 
it will be the savings account 100% of the time over 20 years, just because of the way that the math works. So if you open up an account at a place like Vanguard and put $1,000 in, and then you put $100 a month from your paycheck or $500 a month from your paycheck into you know, a, a, an index fund like the total stock market index fund or one of their balanced funds or something like that, long-term, maybe instead of that one to one and a half percent after tax return, maybe you get something like four to seven percent or something like that. And if you look at over long periods of time, you know, money that's invested at a seven percent rate doubles every 10 years. So a dollar you invest today in 20 years gets to double twice if you get it invested at seven percent. So that dollar in 20 years would be worth four dollars at seven percent. At the one percent you get in your bank account, maybe it'd be worth you know, not even a dollar ten or dollar twenty-five or something like that. It'd be it'd be way way less. So, I, I would you know highly encourage veterinarians to learn about this stuff. You know, if if your financial advisor isn't a fiduciary, they're they're probably not a good financial advisor for you. I see a lot of veterinarians get taken advantage of. Uh, they're sold commission-based products like variable annuities or whole life or uh, some some sort of load mutual funds. That's not good. I mean, to, to give you kind of an example of some of the things that I've seen, uh, I've seen people that should have been paying back their student loans because of the math, the way it worked out, but instead their financial advisor sold them two financial products they didn't need because he got a 10% commission of whatever money they put with him, and he got it twice. <laughs> In another case, I had a veterinarian uh, that had a nice sized inheritance, and the advisor recommended that they put it all in this financial product that got her a, a 6% commission on the amount that she invested with her. So, you know, veterinarians, I think, are, are targets because veterinarians uh, tend to, they're, they're experts in, in uh, medical stuff. They're experts in, in caring for, for animals. They're, you know, a lot of times, some veterinarians are very financially literate, but some maybe aren't that into numbers. And so a lot of unscrupulous people will try to take advantage of you. So, so know that, you know, a company like, like a Vanguard with super low expenses, something like 0.1% per year when the average active mutual fund is 1% a year. So honestly, if, if, you know, I don't get any kind of money or kickbacks or anything like that from mentioning Vanguard, it's what I use for my own personal money. So you should really type in Vanguard online and learn about index funds because it will leave you far wealthier than if you didn't know about it. Great information. Really appreciate you taking the time to do today's Vet Girl podcast and really hope that all the veterinarians out there and veterinary students like myself who had a lot of student debt, don't get discouraged. When in doubt, just make sure you do your research and reach for help when needed. Thank you so much, Travis. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Justine.